Hey everyone, this is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, part two. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead podcast. your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that when given the choice of gum will always take double mint over juicy fruit <laughs> my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode the summertime slasher shenanigans continue as we hike to the woods and set up camp with 1981's just before dawn and whether or not you've partnered with frank drebin you can listen into our show Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your chokehold. <laughs> and if you get Wi-Fi out in the woods, uh, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it, it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and hillbilly shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, July 9th, oh boy, Screenland Armor, they've got your genre needs taken care of indoors. Outdoors. And virtually. Fuck outdoors. <laughs> I was <laughs> hesitant <laughs> to talk about the outdoors, given what we just experienced. But on that very Friday, our latest Friday Night Fright, Finds us going back a few years to our 2019 Into the Mouth of March Madness mm -hmm. for a film that came out 40-some-odd uh, years ago at this point. A movie that launched an entire franchise. Good, bad, or indifferent. A movie that continues to launch or be the inspiration of a franchise. Probably good, bad, or indifferent right. on that as well. Uh, we are talking 1979s and watching the Amityville Horror. The OG with Papa Thanos. And uh, that lady from Sisters, uh, mm -hmm. Black Christmas, uh, what's right. her name? Oh, it's the, well, the one and only Margot Kidder. Mm -hmm. That movie, there's, they're really good in that movie. They're fantastic. And the last time I watched it was for Into the Mouth of March Madness. And that was my takeaway. And I think it's because as we get older, our perspectives change, mm -hmm. how we view films change. And that went from that movie that had a lot of hype back in the day to a movie I remember watching as a kid being a little bored by it. Yeah. But now... Although that scene still scares me when she looks out in the window and sees those eyes, that still te that terrified me then. It terrifies me more now. Talking about actually, I forgot about that now, and I'm like, no, you didn't forget about that, Greg. It's in the back of your memory. It's like fucking vampire kids at the window. It's well, like, even though the... Oh. like, <laughs> It's just burned in there. It's yellow eyes, my friend. Just mm -hmm. red, yellow, does not matter. Any eyes outside of a window, it's nope. badness. It is yeah. badness. No, this is now, I should say, this is, like you said, the OG, not the remake of which I know people went gaga for, for Ryan Reynolds and his non-dad body. Yeah, because it's got Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, this is J this is this is Papa Thamos. This is the cars. Yeah. <laughs> James Brolin. See, that's the that's the offshoot, though. That's Amityville Garage. <laughs> Had it gone long enough, it would have definitely made its way there. And again, if you cannot make it out on those Fridays, uh, they will be replaying later in the week. But of course, only at Friday Night Frights will you have the customized pre-show, mm -hmm. our little yakety-schmackety, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, now, the other repertory screenings happening indoors at Screenland, and a film that I haven't watched since I saw it for a film class... Uh, it's got Marilyn Monroe, Jack Lemmon, uh, a little jazz score. Mm -hmm. Some like it hot, genius. I've seen that. I remember really enjoying it, but it's been a spell since I've seen it. Mm -hmm. So I definitely need to go and revisit it. And I just remember, number one, being surprised at how funny it was. Even at that time when I was taking a film class, I was probably some jaded, cynical dude that's like, if it's not Tarantino, it's not worthy. Like, I was that guy, uh -huh. God help me. Thankfully, that film class opened me up to a lot of good stuff that made me go, okay, yeah, there's all sorts of good stuff out there. Get out of your head. But another film by a podcast favorite, Joe Dante, 
And another film by Joe Dante that people forget Joe Dante did, The Explorers. It makes sense. I forgot he did that, <laughs> honestly, but that movie screams Dante, especially with the fact that they're cartoon-watching aliens. And I went back to watch it after I watched the pilot episode of Stranger Things mm-hmm. because of just kind of the feel I got with that one, but I haven't watched it since, so that's probably been about four years, and I understand this is a newer restoration that's being released oh, as nice. well, which is always nice. I always liked that movie a lot. And a film that yeah, we've seen plenty of times, but you need to experience on the big screen. goes by a couple of names. Uh, some people know it as Mad Max 2, but if you were in the States, you knew it as... The Road Warrior. Leave the gas and walk away. We this... offer you safe passage to Screenland. This is why we do need a video component of this, because every single time Genius does the that, <laughs> it is... It's always, though, because he's got that flex appeal going on. Ah. Once again, you made me unleash the warriors, my dogs of war. Remember? Uh, yes, I remember. <laughs> it was something of a uh, yeah. Lord Humongous, big and tall. Or what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best prices in the wasteland. What have you? Of course, of course. No, of course. Seeing that on the big screen with Lord Humongous, with the feral, feral child. Kid, yes, with, he's the rock and roller of the Ayatollah of rock and roller. Right, Vernon Wells. Like everything about that, that film. movie is great. Sharon Stone, I mean, everything <laughs> is great in that movie. Now, of course, if you're not feeling indoors, well, outdoors, you have a number of films to check out. And that Friday again on the 9th, this is going to be rough for you, genius, because this is a film that I know both you and I adore, mm-hmm. but you specifically. <laughs> uh, you have something to share with the rest of us, Amazing Larry? <laughs> And knitting, and knitting, and knitting. Tim Burton's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I fucking love this movie. Like, uh, hello. <laughs> Just you know, every about it. Every little thing about that film is <laughs> it's funny. Great. And again, I would call this a litmus test movie because if you can't find <laughs> funny humor or warmth out of that movie, your soul is dog shit. Like, <laughs> I was just saying, we may just you not need to part ways, but you can put it that way as I well. I mean, that movie is wonderful. Why? Just the other day, I was telling Francis about Francis. <laughs> Another, <laughs> so many movies have bled their way into other film experiences. We're guaranteed if we encounter a character by the name of Francis in any film, Francis, it's gonna be oft repeated that way. Honestly, I, I shit you not. There was a bunch of kids running around at the Walmart the other day when I went shopping, and I just wanted to go, and like, just have them run away. Between the Francis and the hissing, you will have a good time that Friday. Now then, on Saturday on the 10th. Uh, you know what? One of these days we should fucking do Pee-wee's Big Adventure on the main feed because I think with large Marge, it's horror adjacent. It's a gateway horror film. Yeah, plus with the clown Clowns? nightmares. Mm-hmm. Complete, complete. But it would just be us, like, quoting the movie and me giggling. Yeah, that would probably not work. That would not work as a commentary or a main no. episode. It would That's be like a predator one just quoting the movie. <laughs> brush, 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 brush. <laughs> well, another film that I could probably do it, uh, but not as passionately, obviously, as one Genius McGee, uh, is 1984's Ghostbusters. Oh, that movie is great, too. And given the fact that we've got the sequel coming out of it, I continuation. It's the resurgence, I believe it's being called. Resurrection. Something, something along those lines. You know who you're going to call, so check it out. Now, of course, if you are living from afar from Screenland and would still like to contribute somehow, but get something back in return, mm-hmm. uh, head on over and become part of their film family at Patreon. Just head to patreon.com slash Screenland. And again, they've got the Screenland podcast, a number of watch parties, and of course, our Shutter shoutouts, mm-hmm. of which our latest one is going to be coming out. I think we're always going to shoot for the last Saturday of the month. Yeah, from here on out. So, which means it's going to be on July thirty first, and we're going to be streaming two films. One's an old favorite. One's a, one's a yeah, one's a classic. It's going to be then streaming uh, Creep Show two and. The Amusement Park. Mm-hmm. So a Romero double feature. Now, of course, hopefully all of you are streaming Shutter at this point, ex- subscribing to it. Uh, they still have a number of free trials. 
But by uh, becoming a member of uh, the film family at Patreon with Screenland, you have access to our customized content where we put together a pre-show, we have a little intro, oh. vintage trailer reel for each film. And we're going to have a lot to say to, about Creep Show too. Thanks for the ride, Genius. Mm-hmm. Talk about another one that you could just quote back and forth there. But Genius, if we were talking Patreon and Film Family. Hey, bellies. We, of course, have our own little film family going on at Patreon. And a real quick shout out then to our last uh, Friday Night Fright and the folks that came out for the... Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And also, my apologies to everyone out there now. I, we probably have something to apologize for with every episode, if we're being <laughs> honest. Uh, but last week with the burning, I came off of a long day at work. I was exhausted. I just didn't feel like I had all my faculties with me. So if anyone was like, your podcast is rubbish, that Greg guy is really rubbish, I, I get it. But my apologies uh, to anyone out there. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> but then also, I should say my apologies to our film family members, Dustin, Diana, and Jesse, who made it out for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because after the introduction, I was still so tired, I just couldn't make the road trip. It's been a couple of long days, man. It really was. It really was. So that being said, how was it? Good. Everybody had a great time. Like, fucking applause at the end. I mean, it's Texas Chainsaw. And, like, the first timers, I would, they're like, what would you think? Like, that movie was really good. It wasn't what I was expecting. I'm like, yeah, yep. it's not what you were expecting. But wonderful. Seeing horror movies, I'm going to shout out and embarrass the fuck out of Diana real quick. Seeing movies with her is an amazing experience because she <laughs> loves horror and she loves getting into it. And she goes... There's a scene where Leatherface comes out and gets Franklin. She's like, even though I've seen it a million times, I know it's coming. She jumped and let out a yelp. I wasn't even watching her. Just out of the peripheries of my, I just see hands flailing. <laughs> and I look over and she's like, shut up. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't say nothing. I ain't going to tell nobody. And yet here I am. So, but that's, that's why we love you, Diana. But this is the time that I didn't scare her. So Good it wasn't you. me. So I oh. wanted to, though. <laughs> but raspberries of plenty, of course. Diana, you're fucking rad. And uh, also, if you would like to have access to uh, now, next Monday, we are going to be releasing our monthly commentary track. And if you are at a, another time or above, let's go ahead and say what it is here, genius. Mm-hmm. Lore of the campfire, telling of its horror, spinning wheels while in the hot turb. Don't laugh at the song, you're gonna hear it again. <laughs> Our next commentary is the man, Madman Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have sounded any better myself, my friend. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. Staying in the year of 1981, we are going to be uh, gathering around the campfire, singing along, toasting marshmallows, and getting in the hot tub. Yeah. If you only knew what we come to do, it's now for real. So if you'd like access to that and a whole lot more, head on over to <laughs> patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. Where again, we have uh, every tier from a squiddly diddly to another time. Another place. And genius, our little summer of uh, summertime slashers continues. Mm-hmm. And when we put together these themed months, we start looking at the films that we want to talk about. It's always fun when at least one or both of us gets to experience something for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, ideally, we experience it both the first time, but sometimes, you know, you have to have someone vet a film, potentially, right. or say, you know, genius, based on the film... You might like this, or like, hey, you're going to check check this out, I think you will enjoy this. Go back to when we did Phantom of the Paradise. Mm-hmm. I, I had not seen it yet, and you were all like, Greg, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you're going to like this. Right. Had that kind of anticipation. Much like the film that we're looking at today, because if you go over to Patreon, uh, from just a squiddly diddly on, three times a week, I put together a little thing called the I've Seen That Challenge, where I record about a 10 to 15 minute um, reaction of a film that I've been watching for the first time. And I go all over genre, you know, comedy, horror, drama, mm-hmm. romantic comedies, documentaries, what have you. This was a film that I watched for the first time. And it was one of those, I think, even within... I've seen that, like, 
I need genius to watch this because <laughs> there have been a few of those that have gone from the I've seen that challenge to actually main feed episodes. Uh, Class of 1999 mm. was one of those uh, where I'm just having such a good time with the movie. I'm like, if, if he has not seen this, I am do- doing our partnership, our podcast a disservice right. by not at least having to see if you've experienced it. I've seen some amazing hidden gems that way, too. Wonderful movie. And vice versa. And that, for me, has been the beauty of seeking out these new films. And whether they are ones that we can totally BS our way through if we haven't seen it, Mm -hmm. or be it Blue Monkey, one of those films where we're like, what the hell is that film, and why am I not aware of it? And this whole thing comes back to the 80s horror-thon trailer compilation uh, put out by Garage House Pictures. <laughs> it's wild. Which has been the jumping point for so many first-time watches for, I think, both of us. Yeah. Because when we go and watch those compilations... What the fuck is this? What's Eyes of Fire? Right? Why have we not heard of these films? And then when we then get to experience those films, nine times out of ten, they usually meet or exceed kind of the expectations oh, yeah. that have been simmering at this point. So did you ever had you ever heard of Just Before Dawn? No. Before I, that thing? I've never heard Just Before Dawn. It sounds like a horror movie. Like <laughs> just like okay, cool. Just Before Dawn or like a rom-com, you know? Like you could have this starring Julie Delphi and it would be a different movie, but it would this the title alone. I couldn't I've seen that with Just Before Dawn. I couldn't either actually. And it's kind of wonderful that the fact that we're still talking about films that came out from 1981, uh, this definitely joins that whole slew of slashers Mm -hmm. that due to the success of um, Halloween and Friday the 13th, that, well, if you just set it here, there, or this or that, it's cheap, it's going to make money. But the one thing that stood out to me the first time I watched it to just watching it again here is that even if you don't like slashers, I think with the cinematography of this film and just how it's shot and the beauty, yeah, I'm going to say it, the beauty of nature, there's something that you might be able to get out of this movie, even if you're not a slasher fan, potentially. it's You can even look at it as an action thriller if you want. I would, I would de- go I'll with I'll that. I Deliverance, although Deliverance yes. is 100% horror, right? <laughs> yes, it is. It's yeah. 100% Not a horror adjacent. No. <laughs> but anyway. Well, do you think that... Anytime you set something in the backwoods... It's horror! It's horror! Because fuck all it is. And you're 100% right. For non-slasher fans, there's a lot to enjoy about this movie. There's some really fun performances. Yeah, we'll get to all the characters and the character actors. There is some absolute stunning nature shots. Oh. Just like some of the... Just the... Establishing shots are just gorgeous. And I'm like, wow, that is beautiful. But I would not like to go there. You know? I will look at it from afar... Because the horrors of the said beauty are on full display in this movie with fucking yokels, like big lummoxes. Lummoxi? Lummoxi. No, I believe, did you L- look it the up? The technical term is lummoxes. Okay, so well, I guess. Oh, like lummoxi sounds like. And I don't want to offend any possible lummoxes. Lummoxes? Yeah, that are right, out there right? listening. Right? Because. <laughs> I don't know if there's like the gaggle of lummox, lummoxes. <laughs> A lot of lummox. A lot of lummoxes. There we go. Regardless, I don't want to offend them because based on anything I've seen in films, I want them on our side because if we can get them to giggle with us, <laughs> we're good. We're good, yeah. And it's not even the Lummoxes that are, like, some of the most treacherous things in this movie. No, technically, listen. Before I, the Lummoxes even came on screen, I was like, fuck that, fuck that. Nope, I ain't going to do that. Nope, you're stupid for doing that. Uh-uh, nope, 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 and nope. I'm glad I got to watch this with you at home for a first-time viewing because, <laughs> I again, at the theater, we know etiquette. We're not talking at or with or this or that. But here at home... When you get to see Genius react to nature, even on screen, (laughs) multiple F that, nope, deal breaker, everything in between, you're an appreciator, and I appreciate that, but oh, it is hysterical to see you just going, the the legit reaction you had when we introduced a rope bridge. Rope bridge. (laughs) I believe, and I'm quoting here verbatim, fuck that, fuck that. Fuck that. Pardon my French, but there were three of them. 
And I don't know if it's because it's funny in three, but a legit reaction. At a one point, the RV no. gets stuck in the middle of the road. I was like, nope, I'm out. No. You were wiggling your hands trying to exercise terrifying. a demon. It was terrifying because I was just picturing, first of all, that's bad news. First of all, you're stuck. <laughs> it's one thing if you go camping and you park because you have that option of like, okay, we're out. But if anything goes south, if anything goes ill, you're fucking stuck. I don't like being, I don't even like being stuck on the pavement. If you're only three blocks away from my house, I'm like, man, fuck no. You know, because if anything goes wrong, I'm I'm, I'm stuck. I, right. There's no escape route. Because I'm not going to run, especially in the wilderness. Like, getting like all torn up and shredded by the trees being chased by lummoxes. And then, okay, you need to cross a rope bridge. So I'm thinking in my mind, it's going to be like a rope bridge a la Indiana Jones, you know? And first of all, fuck that noise anyway. Because I've... we already seen the waterfalls and all the huge, like... They're they're up the mountains. I mean, no, no. First of all, I'm Let, not gonna climb a goddamn mountain. Let's just say this: this is a movie that genius would not find himself mm-hmm. in. You no. will not find a representation of genius in a film like this. They say representation matters. Go watch Hard Ticket Hawaii. Genius <laughs> makes a great cameo on that one. Right? The character of genius is that you need that person that just is saying this is dangerous. You know, you need the rational side. But I think any film that you set in the woods becomes automatically horror or horror adjacent mm-hmm. because as you famously say you're a peg under that you're no longer top of the food chain nope the minute you step in the woods the minute you step in the ocean you're now on even keel there's something bigger and stronger and more deadlier than you are whether it's a bear whether it's a shark whether it's even something beyond our comprehension we don't know what lies in the fucking lummoxes there might be ocean lummoxes for all we know well it's i had the same response when watching the descent for the first time fuck all that noise too that before every before the the horror is introduced just the horror of nature and natural caverns and what have you. Yeah. Terrifying. It's the just... Oh, it's a tight squeeze. I'm not going to get st- stuck between two rocks. The next thing we know, like any one pebble fucking can cause a butterfly effect and oh. there's a cave in. Yeah. I'm not going to get stuck underground or stuck between the two things. I'm not the fucking cream in an Oreo sandwich. So there's a lot of situations, a lot of scenarios. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Even where I have the suspension, but disbelief. But. The, the two things that make the fucking thing the scariest about this movie is the fact that they're real things. You're not dealing with, like, outside forces like vampires or goblins or shit, right? And that's what makes Jaws scary, because that's a real fucking thing. But you have, one, the hillbillies, because they're... And then, two, fucking uh, the rope bridge. I'm thinking it's the Indiana Jones rope bridge type thing, which is bad enough, but no, no. It's a fucking... Three pieces of rope, one in the middle and two as handles. No! And they, and they even said, it's just like you're walking on a garden hose or something. I don't like fucking walking on garden hoses anyway, let alone the one that's 100 feet over fucking rapids. And as you mentioned, they let you know there is a, there's an initial, there's an initial Pushing shot with this waterfall mm-hmm. that again breathtaking it's beautiful. It's gorgeous, but I'm not going to be down there. No, but then they do a push out shot. Of the rope bridge to sh- let you show to show you, these people are literally walking across a rope bridge, suspended above this waterfall. Yeah. It is terrifying because they have to have the obligatory oh I dropped something to show how big it is, and it's, and it's a drop through a waterfall. It's not just a drop onto like the ocean. No, there's a waterfall on the side of it and rapids and rocks underneath it. You're going to be fucked if you fall. And there's stunt people. Walking along like it's fucking nothing in huddles, in huddles, and the huddles is what really got you. And the fact that in the back stunt person has to do the obligatory fall a little and oh hang off. God, I'm, I was so clenched at that moment. I was like, God, because no, because I, it's one. I don't like heights. It's not. It's not like I'm afraid of. Well, I don't like getting on things where I feel unsafe. Sure. So that definitely that rope suspension bridge ain't nothing because last thing I want to look like a fucking V, like a cartoon. Like it's just going to go boing and then they shoot me up in the air or something. And then second of all, underwater, if the rocks don't get me, the water's going to do it. You know, I I, because for those of you who don't know, I don't swim. I'm one of those anxious swimmers where like if my head goes into the water, I flip the fuck out and flail. So I'm dead. I'm dead. There's so many things in that forest that could kill me. So why would I put myself in that situation? 
You know, like, let's go swimming. No, you can stay on the dock. It didn't work in Creep Show too. Spoilers, you know. So like, fucking, like, why would I do that shit? That's why you're my favorite person to watch movies like this with, <laughs> just for that reaction commentaries of what is wrong with people. Because there are people that Th- build their fun. lives. Yes, that's fun for them. Why? I can't understand. I'm in China. You know what? I'm sure there's people who are listening to this because they're dropping this in like fucking July. I'm sure there's people going to camp. Right now, <laughs> listening to this in their headphones. F but, you guys. Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with you? Run! Don't go camping! Don't, Because, you know, bad shit's going to happen. I'm sure, oh, yeah, but you get to party and you get to fucking fornicate and it's fucking intense. Huh? And then, like, all this kind of shit, you have a ball. I'm like, yeah, but there's also that chance... That there's a psycho or fucking aliens or bears, if you want to get real about it, you know? Coyotes, rabies, we're not even talking. 28 days later, it's a fucking virus, you know? I mean, uh, cabin fever, it's a virus. There's shit out there that's going to kill you. You don't know what's going to happen. At least when you're in this city, they're surrounding. uh, It might be a thousand of you in the city versus whatever, but there's only like three of you in camping versus a fucking whatever in there. Fuck all that noise. So for you, isolation is scary. Yes. But the fact that like, no, because in the desert, that's one thing because they're sure there's things underground and you don't know. But at the same time in the trees, there's like, more hiding places. There's not a lot of hiding places in the desert, you know, like unless you get like you look like a cactus, you know, so like. <laughs> but then that's when you get the critters that scurry underneath the sand. Then I don't know about it. I'm fine because like it's one of those. But that's where they're hiding as well, my friend. I know, but I'm not going to go in the desert either. This is fair. This you know, fair. I'm not, why would I go on? There's nothing for me on the desert. Like, so there's nothing, but there's especially nothing for me in camping. And the fact that we don't live that close, we live more towards where camping is more accessible. I've been more faced with that option. So (laughs) it's what's the worst part of this is watching all these films again. We just, you know, watch the burning, looking at all yeah. these summer camp outdoorsy movies. And fuck all that noise, too. And then the, you add the fact you don't already have distrust against hobos, hippies, and hitchhikers, but yet you have yokels, like hillbillies. Yokel. That There should be another H. So it's the four H's. Hobos, hippies, hitchhikers, and hillbillies. Because fuck, fuck hillbillies. When you see hillbillies in genre movies, and I'm not talking about, like, we love country music and blah, that's different. I'm talking about, like, straight up living in the, in the woods hillbillies. When you go from a rope bridge to... A rope belt, yeah, you're in trouble. Fuck all them because just a bunch of inbreeders that's scary enough. And that's the sad thing that's fucking real. That's another thing, it's yep. real. Yep, both these things that are terrifying you, these forests are real. Now, I don't know if they go psycho crazy and kill campers, but at the same time, I'm not gonna ask them, I'm not gonna go take a risk with a bunch of hillbilly inbred hillbillies. I know you're not much of a betting man, my friend, but that's a particular <laughs> bet that guaranteed. I'll just, roll the dice on that one. Hey, what do you think? What's the odds that Jay's going to go in the fucking woods and like tangle with hillbillies? Yeah. A million to one? <laughs> Them mm. good odds. <laughs> Regardless of the siren song of the uh, the farmer's daughter or what have you right. that you potentially hear in there. Because uh, even then, that's, a hill, that's an inbred farmer's daughter. Yeah, you don't want to mess with that no. gene pool. You like, don't want to go swimming like, in that hey, gene like, pool. I'll put on makeup. <laughs> We'll, well get to that. We'll get to that. Well, the worst part of the backwoods, the the things that you can encounter there, be it you know of nature or the yokels <laughs> living there, is the fact that I realize Charlie is the dog that does not want to stay on the sidewalk or the beaten path. She is always going into the wilderness and the wild, be it to chase things, to hunt things down, and I realize she's going to be the doom of me. Because she is that kind you're of outdoor be there dog. Like, yes. Charlie, and you're gonna be walking in the woods. Meanwhile, you hear someone's gonna get me with a serrated machete. Or you're gonna hear. Regardless, I'm gonna get a little genius on the side of my shoulder, going, "Dude, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? Did you not listen to a word I've said?" She'll come home in a little bit. Call from afar. Get out of the woods. Well, my problem is though, and she's just an outdoorsy dog. So I'm afraid I'm gonna have to like become maybe a person that's more hikey and outdoorsy like one of these people my friend what's gonna happen Uh oh this is gonna happen to me there's trails in the city you're fine i mean yeah it just i'm gonna gonna get street tough yokels street yokels street yokels (laughs) they're the only yokels i know so (laughs) good lord so so let's get around here you didn't realize it was a backwood slasher flick which was a nice surprise Uh and from the get-go when you're looking at who was in this film? So let's talk a little bit about the cast of characters 
because we were talking off mic and kind of lamenting the fact that we've really lost the older character actor that has always looked old. Yeah. Even when they were spry and young, they still look weathered. <laughs> and this film... Bruce Dern, Bronson... Fucking Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda, Harry Dean Stanton. Just manly men, right? Right. Well, this film has a number of people that, again, going, oh, this is great. I'm glad they're in here. But Greg Henry, who had to be probably in his... 20s to 30s maybe in this film possibly but how old does he look he looked like he needs his 50s he looked like he's at least 45 right right? like he's at least 45 years old and we're like god damn greg henry's always been old now greg henry is one of those classic that guys Mm -hmm. uh he's been in everything every show he's been in an episode in i remember watching him and having my probably first initial impression was in payback Mm-hmm. When he plays the partner of Mel Gibson, uh, uh, the hubba hubba guy, <laughs> because he had just number one, he's got a great look, but he's also got that voice. Yeah, and he's not necessarily like a, that guy, but it's a that voice. Uh, he also works a lot with James Gunn, which Tons is great. Of the James Gunn movies, Tom's the James Gunn movies. He's the mayor in Slither. Uh huh. Jack McCready. Mm-hmm. Jack McCready. God damn it! Is it? And good he plays he plays the grandpa in Guardians. In Guardians, oh, mm-hmm. he's always going to have a place in a James Gunn movie, which is like wonderful. Rooker. And the fact that I think he also worked uh, with De Palma, or maybe I'm trying to remember. In I think it was either Dress to Kill or Body Double, he showed up as well. He's been in over almost 200 movies. Yeah, he's so he's, he's he is that guy. So to see him back in 1981 when he he's kind of playing young and you. Yeah, supposedly he, young. Really, but he looks young for him, but he for still looks he old. He still looks old. It's, it's just rough. <laughs> uh, now, also starring in this film, who gets the and credit here, is a character, actor, just another pr- a presence in so many films that I watched as a kid mm-hmm. and probably couldn't really truly appreciate the career he had before he started doing all the stuff I watched but hey, it's George Kennedy. I always liked George Kennedy, especially He's... going back to Creep Show too. Like I, that was probably one of my first introductions. Probably way before that, it was probably Naked Gun. But then, like it... he always showed up in everything I saw. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm like, oh, it's George Kennedy, and he always did good, whether he was a bad guy or a good guy, or he was just always George Kennedy. And he could play a bad guy, and he could play a good guy. He could play a goofy guy. He could play it straight. In one of the most zany comedies of all time, <laughs> right? He is just that kind of an. Un- he, does he give the film more gravitas? Do you think? Because it's George Kennedy. No, I think people. I think it's almost a blessing and a curse because, like, it's George Kennedy, but yet, oh, it's George Kennedy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because he's been in tons of great stuff, and he always puts a guy a good performance. Yeah. But not necessarily some of the movies surrounding his performance sure, sure. have been the best, and so it does. But it's kind of like a blessing and a curse. Because, again, like, hey, it's George Kennedy. So I will say a blessing with this film. Absolutely. I always think he's a blessing. He's like Treat Williams. He just makes the movie (laughs) a bit of a treat whenever he shows up. Well, his introduction in the movie where he plays this forest park ranger, an isolated park forest ranger. Right. And we know this by the fact that the only communication and talking that he's doing is to his... His, 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 to his bonsai plant that he's that he's mutating and his and it's not like he's mutating like some sort of like weird lab he's not like fucking swamp, West. he's not dr arcane he's not fucking dr arcane out there like doing crazy shit no but he talks to his horse agatha agatha and like and he talks to the plant seal but what he does he's taking like the it's like it's not quite animal husbandry it's like plant husbandry type thing it's crossbreeding it's they it's what they do is so he taking like the 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 stem of a fern and putting it on a bonsai tree to hope to like he's got the heart of an artist but with like the brain of a scientist right and it's the perfect melding do you think he would have like been big on like like um etsy just with that kind of those kind of creations Uh yeah it's george kennedy was born too late <laughs> but it wasn't even like folks already and thing. It's like he's no, like, it's just what he does. He just loves time. nature. Yeah, he's just talking to himself, and he's the Lone Ranger. <laughs> well, quite literally, there are several moments in the film where he is doing the hop along thing. 
but all of the little monologues that he has, and then the interaction. He's exposition guy because he, the yeah that him talking to the animals is a way of like. Hell, well, audience, this is what I'm thinking. I bet you're thinking the same thing. Like, uh, this is crazy. <laughs> Are you ready to go along an adventure here? Right. Well, outside of uh, George Kennedy and Greg Henry, we had a moment. And again, <laughs> when I watched it the first time, it took me a second to realize who it was. I peripheral watched you, my friend. <laughs> you had that same moment. You saw like, him come on screen, and your like, face. Hey, is the... that like it's Mel? <laughs> Sleepaway Camp character Mel. actor Mike Kellen <laughs> showing up here. Not the first time for, and I've seen that as well. When he shows up in God Told Me To, yeah, was a nice moment. <laughs> but his as appearance here <laughs> set off everything wonderfully because we've really grown to appreciate Sleepaway Camp the work, the Mel, the, Mel, the, the, the work of Mike Kellen. Well, and then even. And again, this is why watching it at home <laughs> pays dividends because he plays this drunk guy where they, they've gone hunting. Him and his nephew have gone hunting. You see the deer on the, the Jeep. They're in this abandoned church, and he starts preaching. He's drunkenly I preaching. believe you said something of a, what did he incorporate like, into the prayer? It's like, dear Lord Jesus, please give me some hot young teenage ass in the summer camp that I can work at, and I promise it'll be the best thing ever. And <laughs> And a year later, and a year later, sleep away camp, and he's Mel. God, God gave, God granted his God. wish. <laughs> yeah, ask and God gives. <laughs> oh, God is good. He's over there doing his drunken thing. But that's where we get at first visions of the yokel. Whoa. Okay, so the yokel <laughs> as a a twin performance here, a double feature with this and Blood Rage would work wonderfully. John, oh, I'm Terry. I'm Todd. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that's why I always went for double mint. Uh, John Hunsacker playing uh, the the Mountain Twins. Spoiler alert here. Apologize. It's a film that's very, very old at this point. Terrifying, but also with the, again, very much a dual performance because one of them is a little bit more giggly yeah. than the other one. Yeah, one of them is more stoic and the other one is a little bit more happy. And the fact that you don't really get a like a full-on shot of them, it's almost like Jaws, mm-hmm. Bruce and Jaws, where little snippets, you don't get the full-on reveal until about halfway through. He's terrifying in this film. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Rose playing Megan was one of the first-timers for me. Didn't recognize her. Not uh, 1980s crimp hair and the makeup. They did a. They had a featurette where they were talking to a lot of the stars. Now it's she got what the kids call a glow up. Like what, what is a glow up? It was she got better with age. Yeah, yeah. It's not 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 really good. Uh, that that hair is just rough. Uh, we had well, plus she's in the woods without any makeup, and that makes it makes it like a point in the movie. It, it, they did well. They yeah, it was touched upon, touched upon several times. We'll get to the makeup as war paint eventually here <laughs> in terms of getting that. We have Ralph Seymour. Playing Daniel, who you called Artie. Arvid. Who, Arvid, who I actually thought that was him as well. It looked like Arvid, didn't it? Especially during the dance scene. It really did to the point I had to double check. Oh, oh, snap. Do you know who that. Talking about bringing it back here, do you know who he played in Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Buxton. Yes, it is. I because I'm looking over that thing and I'm like, I know because I was thinking I know that face. Francis Francis's accomplice. You better have our money, Bucks. Bucks tongue. Tongue. That is him. <laughs> Let's go, Louis. <laughs> that is him. <laughs> no. What a small Shit. friggin' world. It's not RV, my friend. That man has had a career. <laughs> uh, Chris Lemon playing Jonathan was not familiar. <laughs> But for me, the standout was uh, Deborah Benson as Constance, Connie, mm-hmm. uh, for reasons we'll get to eventually. <laughs> 1981 was a very good year for the survival girl, the final girl. Uh, uh, we have uh, Amy Steele as Jenny. Yeah. I would go Constance as top in 1981. We'll get to the reason. <laughs> she. God damn, I was not expecting your transformation. <laughs> no, not at all. Quite literal in this case. <laughs> but you have to populate your characters in a slasher film with either people you just want to see killed immediately mm-hmm. or maybe invest some care into them where you're kind of cheering for them. Where did you fall on this as a first-timer? 
little bit of both. Okay. I mean, like some of them was like, well, I know these guys are fodder. At first, I was like, oh, I know these guys are fodder, so I'm not gonna spend invest too much time in them. But by towards the end, I was like, oh no, I kind of don't want them to die. You know, they just first of all, I know they're gonna die, and they probably should because they're out in the wilderness, even after they've been told not to. We had pollution, mm-hmm. littering, the noise pollution, littering, uh, fornication. Well, George Kennedy and Mike Kellen kind of combined to a Cronenberg crazy Ralph, <laughs> basically saying, don't go into the woods. Do not go off the trail. Like, what are you doing? You should be going on your way out of here. Well, the funny thing is Mike Kellen survived. He did. And so he's going So he's going to change his life around, and that's how he gets the camp, because that, that's what happens. And then, So you are saying we will eventually have a just-before-dawn sleepaway camp double feature. Well, because what, what we don't know, Camp Arawak might be a Christian camp. So, like, it might be... <laughs> he truly <laughs> he left the booze. Left the booze and, like... His only vice is the stogie uh-huh. and the occasional teen. Exactly. Ew. Exactly. So gross. So horrible. <laughs> He's Mike Kellen. Mike Camp Kellen. Killing it, Kellen. <laughs> Another surprise in the film, and again, the beauty of seeing things for the first time, is the entire score, which I think is a character in this movie, given the layers and just the dreaded ads, it was composed by Brad Fidel. Mm-hmm. The, the term from Terminator. Oh, from Fright Night. Mm-hmm. Fraternity Vacation. Fraternity Vacation. Uh, I love this one, because the synth works, but like you said... <laughs> It's the whistle. It's Ugh. that haunting whistle. Because, again, it's it's very backwoodsy. It is. Well, know? then he also, with the synth, he just adds, it sounds like just before dawn. It is so. Okay, let's let's talk about that. The, comp- the compositions of this are wonderful, very distinct. We know what is Fidel's work. Mm-hmm. First time watching this. There is a scene in this movie that had me go, is this a little uh, interaction that we should add to our physical challenge in the game of games? We have a dance sequence in this movie. It's a really good dance sequence. They're almost kind of like, it's almost Charlie Brownian because they all have their own distinct one little dance (laughs) move that they like to do, you know? And they're all kind of just dancing. And the music was like, it was almost a good Halloween song because it was kind of scary, but it was kind of like, it wasn't like, I was working in the lab late one night. But It's, it's not overt. Right. It's subtle enough, but the thing is, you were like, this is pretty good. It's a good little synth. It's a good little synth jam. And I have to assume the only other song on the soundtrack was the Blondie track. We had a, bl- a cameo of Heart of Glass. So I have to assume that it was an original Brad Fiddle composition. But the way everyone is dancing, the fact that you've got Greg Henry sipping his coffee or whatever... Just kind of like doing his doing a little shimmy, and then you had Arvid doing like the Beavis pelvic thrust. <laughs> I was just waiting for him to do the slap, you know, just like, the, uh, 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 uh. and then you had like, and you had Megan going between everyone there. She was the instigator, mm-hmm. but then you have Constance not having like, any of it. She, she, no, no, she got into it, and, and that's when Greg Henry started seeing right. the other side of her. And I again, her character's journey where. They establish that she has a lot of experience camping and climbing. And then there's that initial interaction where it's her, Arvid, and Megan, and they're being messed with. With by um, the two the guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. Technically, when Greg Henry and the other guy, they come from behind them. Mm-hmm. That was the hill. That was one of the twins out there in the Calling woods, was him. it not? Ooh, so yeah. scary. So scary. But there's that moment where she doesn't take the knife. And if. Fucks with her. She does. I'm the one that's supposed to be the more experienced outdoors person, and I froze. Yet she's the one that grabbed the knife and was ready to fuck with. Right. But you know, we don't know. Rose might be a city girl, so like, fuck, cut you, man. Hey, again, the street toughs to lummox eye, they're everywhere. But you have to be prepared. Mm -hmm. And so that sets forth then her whole eventual transformation, where she goes from the long pants. To the short shorts of which are probably shorter than my short cutoffs, shorts, right? And then to the, the with the the tie, the, in the, the tie middle. in, and yeah, and uh, just go ahead. She's definitely. she's a tree, absolutely, absolutely. But then you start to see her try to be a little bit more assertive, and then that's when all the true shenanigans all start hell happening. Yes. Loose. Would you now? There's definitely a low body count for this movie. Would you call it a slow burn? I don't know. I would think so. If you 
See, it scared the hell out of me because, because it, it put me in that situation. I don't want to be that. If someone's not afraid of that situation, it's not necessarily a slow burn, but it definitely builds the tension with the goofy hillbillies. Mm-hmm. Because right off the bat, it's not a slow burn because you got a great first kill. Let's talk about that first kill. This this movie, if it's a sandwich, the opening and closing, the bread. It's an Oreo of madness. Oh, my goodness. But they've... they've Put the good stuff on the outside because this film opens and closes with kills that I think would kill in a theater. Mm-hmm. Just reaction because I lost my I lost my mind the first time I watched it, and I peripheral viewed you when it happened. I lost my shit the first kill, oh. and I definitely lost my shit the second kill. Well, the first kill does open where Mike Kenlan's little nephew is stabbed with a custom, not a custom-made machete, but... It's a serrated machete. It's a big, giant serrated machete. And it's when we get the first shot of the twin in the on the ceiling. It looks fucking frightening, because he's over there... <laughs> and it's just the- for a second initially, but when he is... When you hear him finally, and you're the... <laughs> it's like the, what do you say, Dom like DeLuise Muttley. and Muttley? Yeah. But then, all giggling stops when he pulls back, and... There's, there's eye trauma with people I know that have issues with stuff like that, and I know there are, there's genital trauma. This film would work well with Felissa Rose with Sleepaway Camp because she's also the mangled dick expert. There is a mangled dick. Oh my goodness! He fucking takes the knife, and we and it doesn't really show no. it going through. So we think he stabs them on through the gut like a la normal slash. Absolutely, but no. They looked down, and he stabbed him through the dick to the point where it came out of his ass. And he's just sitting there with the knife out of his jeans flopping around. And I'm like, what the fuck? And you, <laughs> you that was a physical reaction. It was a visceral, a vocal, everything. Because my second time, knowing it was going to happen, I still had that reaction because it looks mean. Yeah. It is vicious. It is evil. And then and it came out of nowhere. And then you see him start wiggling the serration. Start sawing it, and it's oh. like, whoa! Does you think? Do you think that opening kill hinders or like helps the film? I think it piques your interest. Yeah, I think okay. it's like, okay, this is what kind of movie we're in for. Let's see where it goes. Let's see what twists and turns. Because and then it sets up the whole plot, and they start getting picked off one by one. But I think that the threat. Is there? Oh, I think because God, you know yeah. that the hillbillies are looking, and there's just enough where it's just enough where there's not a lot of exposition. Because then the next thing you have a stalking scene, oh, or yeah. you have another scene of like fuck all that. Like then you have the rope bridge, and then you have the, when it comes back into play, and then you have the introduction of the rest of the hillbilly sister clan. Oh, because he goes, "Is that your sister? That's my mother." You're like, uh again, the fam, the, the family tree doesn't branch. It's not out. supposed to be a wreath. No. <laughs> That scene when they discover the sister scene, you mentioned if you're in the woods and you hear this this beautiful ominous siren song. I'm out. I'm out because I know that's not good. Do not seek it out. No. Even if it's like a fantasy mermaid, you found the land of the fairies, you know? Which it sounds cool and I kinda, you know, wouldn't mind finding fairyland. That'd be kind of rad. So you on the precipice of a deal breaker? Mm-hmm. At the same time, like if it's like a hillbilly per, because like look, there's bad, there's more bad examples of listening and following voices in the fairy. Because even if it sounds good in, in theory, like in um, "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou," <laughs> That's when fair. they hear the siren song, it sounds all good until you're loved up and turned into a horny toad. So like, even when it's cool for the fantasy and shit like that, no, because then you hear like la 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 la, like hillbilly like chanting music and not even that you don't know if you're in a suicide forest and that's a ghost or you don't know if you're in a bakersfield and it's the fucking blair witch you don't know what the fuck's going on so why as soon as you hear like ominous singing yeah. and all of your group is here go leave well, there's the moment where you're like as a viewer you're like well is that part of the score or is that no that's anacron- that's happening yeah, that is no. in the scene oh no. god that's terrifying uh george kennedy actually has a quote as there's Talking. a lot of quotes, but what the first quote that fucking we both wrote were like, oh yeah, when like it was almost like the tagline of the movie. Remember when in the RV and he goes, where we're going, ain't no summer, summer camp. camp. <laughs> I was like, well, perfect film to follow after the burning, going from camp to those people that again exploring nature, the woods, 
where things are rugged, things are wild, like you said. It just, but that's what they love. Um, the fact that we have multiple elements of RV shenanigans, uh, which, by the way, you do need to go see Sorcerer. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. It's so tense. Uh, but there's a moment where they're driving along, and one of the twins jumps on the back. That was scary as shit. There are so many moments in the movie where you just see them for a snippet, and it's terrifying the way it's shot. Again, mm-hmm. this film was shot by two brothers, the King brothers, so beautifully. And again, it is the thing that drew me to this movie that made me go, I don't care if this is a good slasher or not. Just the fact that what we get to see, I need to see this in theater one. I am yeah. telling you. Yeah. Some of that stuff is incredible because seeing the it's jump gorgeous. on the RV. But yeah, it's 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 terrifying and gorgeous because it's still beautiful scenery, but yet it hides such evil the and evil. ugly shit. It's horrid. It's horrid. There's a moment with the waterfall and that entire sequence when you get the gratuitous nudity at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but then he gets when she gets manhandled. Uh, that's terrifying. Because you the see the look them, on her face when she's like, "Stop it, Brad!" or "Stop it." That whole build up to the sequence when you see him initially, the twin. Walking when into he comes the waterfall, out of the waterfall, it's like holy shit! That's scary as fuck. That it's was ca- some Cundy esque. Yeah, that was, was like a Cundy esque reveal. It was beautifully terrifying. But then the fact that he's underneath the water, the boyfriend swims away. When then again being manhandled, that moment when we as the audience see him get out of the the, the lake on the other side, and she has that realization. Yeah. Oh, I am being manhandled by something else. Oh, forget about it because. It's when you're in a lake like that and you cannot see underneath you, that is the worst feeling ever to have something brush up against you. (laughs) But to have something that familiar, oh my God, forget about it. Forget about it. That look on her face and she sees the boyfriend on the shore like, fuck. (laughs) It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Let's talk actually about her demise when we find out there are twins. It's horrible because you see nothing. It's, it's just know that it's bad. All you see is one of them like so creepily she, l- go towards her while the other one is with the camera. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the char- it's like Bucks, a fucking killing joke. The Buxton character is a photographer. He's killed kind of just standard run-of-the-mill you know, machete to the gut. But then you see her looking outside. You see the one guy with the camera. And then from behind... And you even like, oh shit! There's another one. It, it got you, right? Yeah. It was a I wasn't good reveal. Multiple lummoxy. It's perfect. Lummoxes. It's perfect because then neither did she. And then he starts closing in on her. The other one goes into the camera, into the window, and starts taking more pictures. And then they cut away. It's and, theater of the mind. You don't uh, know what the fuck's going to happen, but you know ill shit because they're fucking hillbillies. And another thing that's fucking this movie is mean as shit. When he, first of all, he's trying to escape on the rope bridge, and of course he doesn't make it. And he's trying to whistle, 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 whistle. And then later on, they hear, like, they're just having a good time. They just hear, do I hear a whistle? Eh, it's probably nothing. And then they go back to having fun. Later on, when they find the body and they find that that he was whistling for help, that look on her face, I'm like, damn, she's going to be haunted for the rest of her life because she heard it. And did nothing, yep. knowing that he was falling off. The, they yep. didn't know that they were being killed by hillbillies. It's, they just thought it was a bad accident. I'm like, God damn! There's actually a few more things going on with this movie than a standard slasher. And it also begs the question, how did we miss this one? I don't know. It's But how did a lot of people miss this one? Well, it's, do we assume a lot of people have slept on it? I don't hear about it coming up in a lot of circles. Well, this is I blind bought this as a Code Red Blu-ray. I was at Vintage Stock, and I had heard enough good things, probably through a number of podcasts, and they're like, it's a good like slasher flick. Like Of all the stuff that came out in 1981, it's done enough to kind of separate itself and go, oh yeah, this has the making of like kind of an iconic slasher in the twins. Mm-hmm. Because, <laughs> dude... But I'm glad they're dead. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to see the wrong turn version of this. Well, and that's just it because we have wrong turn. We have a huge franchise right. with wrong turn. Uh, we talked a little bit about the music, the use of silence in this film. Ooh, a nature silence. Nature, and then when nature goes silent, because there's a couple moments when like there's the no crickets. crickets or oh, it's fucking terrifying. And that's what always gets me. I know some people. That's a very ambient thing, 
and it's very calming for them. But there's something about it for me that is it's just we're in the presence of something bad potentially. Mm-hmm. And that just still gives me the creeps. Uh George Kennedy quote, don't upset nature's balance. Yeah. Another one that stood out to me. George Kennedy had a lot of quote, like, you know what? I should leave them up there for their own devices, but I won't. That actor's pause, Uh my friend. Again, gravitas and adds class to this film. He doesn't mind that he's, you know, going up against some backwoods, lummoxes. Uh, uh, This film was shot at Silver Falls State in Sublimity, Oregon. Fuck all that noise. Which means that's a place genius will never do a... uh, (laughs) a, uh, so, but those wouldn't be like Appalachian hillbillies. Those must be like northern hillbillies. A little or, bit more hipsterish. Yeah, maybe they like they drink fancy coffee. It's organic, them. all organic. Yeah, all organic. They are on that keto special, like just deer meat well, and berries. Everything was shot on location, so that's why I think everything is. So there's a real like, fucking road bridge like that across the thing. Fuck all bu- that noise. They they did build that for the film, but they built it for the film, so that was a legit rope bridge. It worked. It terrified, obviously. It did its purpose. But I think that's why, again, the beauty of everything is, and the difference between, like, a Friday the 13th Part 2. It's a summer camp slasher film, Mm -hmm. but doesn't really celebrate nature the way that this one does. No, there are some beautiful establishing I I get I I love the cinematography in this film. And I'm thinking, like, is Charlie eventually going to make me where I'm going to have to, like, take her hiking to someplace like that? Because I have to, because that's how she gets her... Her, her happiness in life. That would be the only reason why I would go into a wooded area like that is to like help find somebody. She, she loves somebody. her Uncle Genius. Right? I would go out and help look for Charlie if she got lost in the woods. But other than that, fuck no. Um, other thoughts, because I we talk about the opening kill and the closing kill. Before I want to get to the closing kill. Yeah. yeah uh, fucking the whole subplot with the, the one hillbilly daughter that wants to get away. And the makeup, her, her. She having her own rumspringer there. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. One of these days, I'm gonna dream for bigger things than just having relations with my family. You know. (laughs) So she's over there putting on the makeup, but like, (laughs) the whole like, I should tell them. Would you tell them? I'd tell them. I'd tell them so hard. She puts on makeup like Buffalo Bill. Anytime, it's hilarious. anytime it's hilarious. someone applies makeup, it just—it's gonna happen. Either that it's or gonna it's happen. Either that or Night of the Creeps or Night of the Demons. Demons. One of the two. <laughs> oh my lord! But everybody's so in denial in this movie. Which oh, which Greg, Greg Henry especially Greg Henry devolves while Constance evolves. evolves. Yes, and it's really because yes. he's first like, no, they're gonna be fine. They're gonna be fine. She's like, they're dead. He's dead. Yeah, I need to go back and find something. She's the one that's being more proactive, and he's mm-hmm. like, well, you know what? What gets me, what fucking threw me for a loop is after all this shit, they've already know there's there's people have died, right? Why would you still camp? They weren't. They were going to take everything down and leave. And then they were going to leave. They were leaving things up for the, their friends when they, you know, because they were still mm-hmm. lost at this point. Because they figured, oh well, the damage is done. But nope, there's a twin. Well, and that's just it. There's a subversion of kind of our final girl trope in this film of how Greg Henry does start as the masculine guy. They're more afraid of us than they are. They're uh, you know, them. They devolves into be the crying mess at the end because that moment when Constant comes out of the tent and she's got. Makeup on mm-hmm. Megan's makeup. Now watching it again, that is straight up war paint yeah. for her. That is that final transformation, almost like the ultimate balance of an outdoors person, but then someone that can like enjoy themselves, that can dance when they need to, mm-hmm. but can also kick a little ass when necessary. Because yeah, we're we've we've seen one twin get shot down by George Kennedy. Thank you, sir. Your presence is met. You're good. You're out of the film. Mm-hmm. Right when she was about to get fucked with, because did you see that snap? Because when he was chasing her, with no way. And <gasps> we, then we missed. We talked about the fact he chops down a tree to get her. He chops down a, exactly. <laughs> fuck all that. We forgot the whole bear attack scene. We forgot the bear attack. So she's running and she's fucking. Tra- she's getting beat the fuck up in the br- brush, and like he's right after. He's fucking well, very he's spry for a lummox. Yeah, he's like machete. laughing at her. <laughs> and she finally gets away, climbs a tree. That motherfucker takes that serrated thing and starts chopping that tree down. That's terrifying oh. to know that you have nowhere to go and it's only a minute before you're about to get fucked up. And there are shots of him. Every time he hits the tree, he then looks up at her, pulls out 
it's just it's horrible. And so, mm-hmm. again, we talked about like if a bear had thumbs and like a custom straight machete, what that's what's gonna happen. He's about the size of a bear. But that yeah, that eventually leads to his demise because George Kennedy and everyone show up, and they're like, but you know, he when he falls on her. Oh oh, after the death, and then she's just like. Frozen out, yeah. in fear because his big lummox is on her, and who oh. knows what like terrible things? Because we don't know what terrible things they did to the other. And we also don't know if he's truly dead. And because it's a horror film, right? Because they're already sound all sexed up and crazy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know. Sometimes it takes a few more shots to to put down a lummox. It this took is... yeah, those, that lummox took a beating and kept on like repeating. So <laughs> so was... when we get to his twin brother coming back into play. Uh, machete to the side of Greg Henry, so he's incapacitated. He then starts doing like the bear hug with Constance from behind, which is like, yeah, ah. quite gruesome. She's the, bleeding. You could hear like bone snap and shit. The I I the whole I, I don't want to. We, okay, we shouldn't spoil it because that was such a just like. Oh, oh, are you you don't want okay oh okay well let well let's here, go here. let's go let's go about this wrong way. For a little bit of context, it's kind of via. It's very uh, uh, Victor Crowley esque. The other way. Yeah, it's fairly. Society and Victor Crowley would be a, make a good double feature with this. Yes, it would. It closes with the most amazing kill that I think, because it Fuck does it, we'll close. Spoil it. Let's go ahead. Listen, We've listen, the, the film is thing. forty years old. If you don't want to spoil here, the, the, we were we're giving a spoil co- spoiler caveat yeah. to our spoilers. Yeah, you can close out at this point. We're not going to talk much about from here on out. So yeah. If you have not watched this film right now, I think it is available streaming, uh, blind buy, the Blu-ray. It is well worth it because the f- closing kill in this movie. The two kills, the beginning and end, were worth the price of admission. I, I cannot disagree at all. I think this would bring a house down yeah. in a theater. This Pe- is very pieces. People would lose their minds because it is not too often you see someone killed by literally shoving their fist down someone's throat. <laughs> and we got deep. We got elbow deep, my friend. <laughs> she went fucking deep. She went, like, don't reach. She could wipe his ass. <laughs> it, it went that deep. Just, it, it, and the way it is all built up, the choreography from being squeezed, he turns her around. She gets that moment where she gets a little leverage by pushing up. And he's over there <laughs> the whole time. So she can then stick. She just punches she a, punches she, him in the mouth. She did a Judas Priest song, the Ram It Down song. <laughs> it is on freaking real. And that when that happens, and then the various the way they edited the shot from like literal a li- real arm and mouth and a real face uh-huh. to like the, the dummy and what have you. Uh, uh, the sound design, you were silent for a long time because the look on your face. It's <laughs> like my jaw dropped. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Because you're not anticipating that. Of all the things, like maybe she finally gets the machete. Or and eye gouge or something. Yes. Not her own hand, her own fist, ramming it down his gullet. <laughs> To the elbow, and then the shot when she is just straddled on him, elbow and she's deep. Like, just like go to sleep. Greg like, Henry in the background. He's going, what the fuck is going on? He's just like in shock. And then she, when fucking he, she finally like, like he's dead when he, she pulls the arm oh. out, and you can hear like the, the sound effects, of the saliva, and the bones. You're like, God. Damn! And, and the mo- the then- Greg Henry just cried, and I'm like, I feel you. I don't know what else to do. Like, God, that's brutal. Well, then we finally get the last interaction between, and the the sister comes out, and like you said, you had that moment, like, is she now queen of the hillbillies? Yeah. Are they now engaged? What's right, happening they all, like, here? All bow to her, Well, technically. George Kennedy's character didn't know of the twin brothers. He actually made a thing of that's what they were hiding. Right. He goes, I didn't know. He, in yeah. fact, he, we seemed like he was complacent because we were like, yeah. if you know there's some ill shit in the woods and you know teenagers are going there and you don't say anything, you're complacent. But the fact that he didn't know yeah, that there was mutant hillbillies. I think morally he, he's in the gray. He's still okay. He's yeah. still okay. No, it's just, it's, this movie has, I'm hoping finds an audience, but uh, I don't know if good or bad. It may have influenced Dan Aykroyd and in Nothing But Trouble with the way the with twins... With the babies, Bobo yeah. and Bibi. 
Or maybe just that famous picture of the guys on the uh, the, the motorcycles. Yeah, motorcycles. the little motorcycles. Those two big old gentlemen. Those fucking eight hundred pounders on the little mini bikes. I'd like to think like, they're we still need inspiring. Hillbilly. We, need, we need giant hillbilly fat twins. Hey, I know a couple people from from from. Bring bring bring. Or maybe they can get Francis. Francis. <laughs> I'm glad. Did you enjoy this one? This movie was a lot of fun. A lot of what the fuckery and some genuine yeah. like, ooh, that's a great shot. Or, ooh, that's genuinely scary. It had a lot of good atmosphere. But I think mostly because I'm afraid of the wilderness <laughs> and hillbillies. It, 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 I And seeing it the second time, watching it with you, I really now need to see this in a theater. I think it would play wonderfully. <laughs> the first and third, the first and last kill. Oh yeah, especially. we're going to the side. We're mm-hmm. watching everyone react. Uh, now here next week, I think we're going back to camp this time, but something a little bit more contemporary, uh, also a little bit more comedic, because maybe we need a laugh <laughs> after our little trip to the woods there. Uh, but I'm glad you enjoyed this one. So uh, let us know what you all think of Just Before Dawn. And uh, maybe another film, potentially, that we're not thinking about to pair it with. Uh, final thoughts there, Genius, before we hike back down? Such a good movie. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and I really think we should see it in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we can make those wishes come true. So until next time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs>